0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to part two of The Parsnip Ship presents The Ragged Claws by Lena Patel, directed by Blaise Teicher with musical guest Dominique Brion. To hear more episodes, subscribe to The Parsnip Ship on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify.
2: Act two. One, you can pee when you want. The next day, Wednesday, Alec and Thomas sit in Thomas's study. Sinatra's Summer Wind plays softly on Tom's stereo.
3: Samantha says what she feels. Refreshing. Anything's refreshing after just three days. I, I don't want to get to know her too well, but I want to see her all the time. What's wrong with me? I'm... I don't know. Mom's right. Renee loves you, Alec. She criticizes my articles as a perversion of subaltern studies and then gets mad when I challenge her anti-colonial
4: narrative. You have to have a very large heart, Alec. A big heart. Warm heart. Don't shut it down. Am I? I believe that you were not trying to... Well, in her eyes, Alec, you have to understand, what you did is nothing short of treason. Your work is very interesting. Interesting. Whoa, Dad, ouch. That did sound bad. Um, It has merit. You think I'm wrong. And you think she's right. Come on. Not quite so black and white, Alec. But fair. Hmm. I don't want people to laugh at you. This is my field of
3: study. This is not some emotional reaction to the fact I was adopted.
4: Am I really so off? You are a beautiful writer, Alec. Better than your mother. I don't see things through an Indian lens any more than... Defend your work vigorously, Alec, but keep your eyes and your heart open. You're not off, but you are possibly grinding an axe.
2: How's the book coming? See for yourself. Thomas wheels over to a sheaf of papers and brings them to Alec. Dad, where's the computer? They know what you want. What you think you want. Where you're going. You
4: should be able to look up abortion or Belarus or assassination or anything. Dictionaries don't have cookies. This home is debugged every month. Costs a damn fortune. I am going to pay someone to get me completely off the grid. Everyone should. We've always been on lists. Not always. The government does what it can, Dad. The it... military does. The government does much less. Politics is the end game. And I am to blame. Me and my kind, the too high-minded for compromise. So the idiots took over. What you do is important.
3: What you do matters. What I did. It must be very hard.
2: No. No. Looking at his lap? I'm afraid it's not. Dad!
4: Rene and you, you both bury yourselves in work. Hang on to things. Your, your grudges won't mean crap if we all die tomorrow. You're morbid today. I've had a lot of time to think. In India, as a boy, it was chaos. It wasn't a life. Yes. I'll take this life with all the risks. You both are terrified of losing ground, or giving ground, or insurmountable what? Differences? What are you scared of? Nothing. That's freedom. Freedom means you can pee when you want. I'm sorry, Dad. Pee when you want. On your own. You don't have to take medicines, go to the hospital for... It's disgusting what we do to patients. You make people better. I remember this one patient, I told him to stop chasing mythical goals. He probably needed to hear that. He came a long way to see me. Read up on my work on morphogenic proteins, reversing the damage done to the lungs by the new melanoma. I just thought, someone has to tell him there is no hope of improvement. He didn't fit into the profile for the study we were doing, and I said, I'm going to be frank, and I remember his face was so composed such a good student. I said, you must stop chasing mythical goals. You are doing everything you can already. I saw him trying very hard to be brave. You're not God. But I was a bastard. I'm sure you weren't. You sound like Rene. It is, it was not my goal, of course, to be a bastard to this patient. It was to set him straight make him accept his lot. (laughs) Well, this is my lot. There may be therapies that can- Stop chasing mythical goals. I won't be pathetic, Alec. You are not pathetic, Dad. Got here early. No trouble with the ferry,
3: huh? Jacob's cruiser cuts the river like butter. Plus, I had a dozen soldiers with me, crazy days. You know how expensive that boat must be? He thinks the world of you, Jacob. No. For him, it's free for me to use it. He gets subsidies because he loans it to the military. Wish I'd met him earlier. Gestures to
2: his wheelchair.
3: Before this. He's honored to be invited. Dazzle him, shall I? He knows all about your book. I hadn't realized how much I'd
4: talked about it. He's asked for galleys. He's brilliant. Why don't you spend the night? Let Jacob take the cruiser back down. Samantha can stay. We don't care. You can even have sex. We can't hear anything from the... Dad, stop. I don't think I can let you go tonight, Alec.
3: Don't you miss working,
4: Dad? I go there enough now. Who wants to go more? Seeing 40 patients a day doing tumor boards. I was burning out. It would get you out of the house. And into a place where my colleagues look at me with pity? No, thank you. You don't feel, I mean, you don't have any to you get. Do you really want to discuss my sex life? We discuss mine. I finally have time to do all the things I've always put off. Time. Nothing is more valuable, Alec. I'll be up by the weekend, okay? How about Thursday? I don't trust our officials to manage things. Don't think they're one bit smarter than you. It's a blinding danger. Can I take you for a walk, Dad, before people come? Just us? I'd like very much for you to fall in love with this girl, Samantha. I mean, it doesn't hurt... much. Mom's taking her time. Just... take it easy, Alec. Having a bath, is she? <sighs> Try and
2: enjoy your life a little. Two, we're always at a bloody crossroad. That night, Renee and Thomas's living room. <laughs> Samantha is with Alec. Jacob has just arrived. Come in. Come in, Jacob. Don't
0: hover in the doorway. Thank you. So flattered to be included among. Um, This
5: is Samantha, Alex's friend.
6: Hello. You're Jacob Antical, right, with the cruiser? Nice to finally meet you.
0: Thank you. It's uh, it's my duty
4: to help when I can. A scholar and savior, golden spoon and a heart of gold.
5: I'd give anything for a good bottle of single malt.
4: Welcome to my life, Sam. This
6: is weirdly exactly what I pictured. <laughs>
4: And you are much more beautiful than Alec let on, Samantha.
6: I see where Alec gets his charm
0: from.
4: I admit I've been very curious to view your
0: magnificent home, but more importantly, to finally meet you, Thomas.
4: Alec uses your boat so often we felt compelled to have you over and show ourselves off. (laughs) It's a cruiser. I keep being reminded of that.
0: What is the difference, anyway? Cruisers are bigger, faster, more... Powerful. Renee, shoots a look over at Jacob.
6: Between us, General Marlin sometimes requests it for personal reasons.
0: I have been very fortunate in my life,
4: and my resources are at your disposal. To prove to all assembled that I am not entirely useless, I'm starting a salad. Brace yourselves for a rare show of color. We found tomatoes.
2: Thomas wheels himself into the kitchen.
5: There's wine. Alex told me a lot about your work, Renee. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I want to hear about you, Samantha. You're deploying soon. Where to?
2: She can't talk about that, Mother. Oh,
5: well, then I want to hear what you can talk about.
2: Jacob brings a glass of wine to Samantha.
5: The officer and the
6: princess. Excellent.
2: Oh. Renee brings a glass to Alec.
5: Alec's been venting to you, has he?
6: If we can figure out right here, right now, whether they actually fell in love or not, you guys could stop fighting. We're this not
2: meant. fighting. It's It's an academic disagreement. Oh, isn't it? She gets wine for herself. You see,
0: Samantha, everyone gets very territorial, and the stakes really are so low. It's not so much about
3: this particular (laughs) man and this particular woman.
5: It is exactly about this particular man and this particular woman, because they represent so many. It's
3: about two countries vying for resources. They were
5: both privileged Elites who chose to love each other in spite of differences of color and religion and allegiances. If you take their story and multiply it many times over, you see that Britain didn't simply come and crush India. You see that India seduced Britain into wanting to possess her.
3: It's, it's India's fault that she was so desirable? Oh, Not her fault,
0: perhaps, but her fate.
5: James loved Kair, but...
0: He had to be discreet. Discretion is a, a vastly underrated virtue. We only see James's
3: declaration of love in the context of his defending himself against accusations of
5: rape.
6: Yeah, uh, Kair's family said James was...
5: Forcing himself no, no, on no. Her? her grandfather claimed that James raped her because he had promised Kaya to an old Indian nobleman.
0: James was an unwelcome rival, so he accused him of rape.
3: Is it remotely possible that Kaya simply saw James as her way out of a marriage to an old man?
5: No. And when her grandfather was off with the British fighting the French, Kaya's mother and grandmother made their move.
2: Thomas comes wheeling back in. I
4: forgot to turn on the stove. So the appetizers may be delayed until it's after all right. so we dine. It's
5: Kaya's mother Sorry. got Kaya and James together.
2: Jacob, who started this? Jacob points to Sam. Sam smiles.
5: Her mother knew Kaya loved James, and she wanted Kaya to be happy.
0: Or Kaya got pregnant and the trap was set. Life always has some degree of calculation. How very depressing, Jacob. Yet yeah, true, Thomas.
5: Kaya's mother had an unhappy marriage to a much older man herself. She wanted to see her daughter marry the man she loved.
0: And Kaya was a Saida Muslim, so the fact that her mother allowed her to marry a non-Muslim, a Saida Muslim is is a Shia Muslim, Samantha? I bet Samantha knew that. Direct descendants of the prophet. Went to Iraq enough times. My point being, they did not make this marriage lightly. Kai and her mother were crossing a huge boundary. Why, but for love, would they
3: do that? Because Khair's mother saw a strategic alliance in James.
5: <laughs> not an ounce of romance in my son, Samantha. It
3: was a case of two powers forming an alliance through marriage. The stakes were high control of India.
5: There was no India, only a bunch of kingdoms being controlled by Hindu or Mughal powers. Uh-oh.
3: There was an India
0: in terms of identity. It went both ways. Please, Jacob, stop interrupting. Sorry. I want to hear from you, Jacob. Please, go on. Wait, what went both ways? Victorian Anglicanism was Hinduized, and Hinduism was being influenced by Anglicanism, to paraphrase from Renée's... Second book? Very good,
3: Jacob. It's simplistic to imagine all this intrigue and subterfuge was going on for the sake of love
0: and not territory. It is easy in retrospect to see the British as muscling in on Mughal territories, but the Mughals weren't stupid. They used the British, like the Hindus used the French, to shore up power. Rene's work reveals that Indians weren't
4: helpless pawns in this chess game. Rene could not have said it better. I'm... I... I'm amazed by your recall, Jacob. You have had, of course, many, many opportunities to confer with Renee about her work. We work together, so yes, I have. And with what sensitive insights must you have guided Alec in his work? Or was it all separate in your mind? It has
0: been an absolute pleasure to work with Alec. Surely you had colleagues with whom you worked closely. So you know. That's all
5: right. Let's not dwell.
0: (laughs) No, my job was not to advocate for Renee's point of view, nor was it to question Alec, except to make certain of his citations. As we all know, history is deep, messy. To conflate Alec's research with Renee's research would be, well, more journalism than academic.
5: Okay. Okay.
4: You and Jacob share a romantic bent on things, my darling.
5: What happened between James and Cair was romantic.
4: Love marriages
0: were rare, and James went through extraordinary measures to marry Kair. He converted to Islam, which meant a little snip of? He gestures. He was 34. Ow. And she was 14. Wow. Sounds like
3: less of a love story, doesn't it?
5: In the context of the period. And love
3: marriages were rare in England, too, among nobles. It's not as if Indians were freaks.
5: Shit, I I keep getting convinced by both sides.
3: British historians wrote about that period not as a mixing of cultures, but as a conquest
5: they embarrassed as they were by their country's treacherous acquisition of India and the degree to which Indians put them in charge as rulers. Indians put them in charge? If you look at history before the 18th century, Alec, you see that the British were just another actor in the
0: region. There were the Portuguese, there were the Before French. that, the Greeks. Alexander could conquer everything except India. Knew People knew always con- how heavily Indians were invested in the empire. His
5: non-cooperation strategy was more than... You
3: rhetoric. say you want to empower Indians, not victimize them, but they were victims. Victims of British greed, and they've been paying the price ever since.
5: Being offended is not an argument, Alec.
4: The West ruled the world because we found a way not to eat each other's shit. (laughs) That's true, Thomas. I am talking feces, Samantha. I'm not being metaphorical. We peaked during the Roman Empire.
5: I'm sorry if
4: I... No, it's okay.
5: Alec. If you insist that there is a rupture in India's history, instead of acknowledging that all of it, all of it, is part of your history... Or a history
4: being thrust on me. you will
5: always be struggling in the dark. Who am I? Who am
4: I? Samantha, you must think we're crazy, but I assure you, we're only unhappy. I did a lot of research in India. I did too. Yes, but it's important who you speak to, and who you speak to
3: depends largely upon who you are. My
5: God, Alec, you and your father with your conspiracy... (laughs)
3: The West always has an agenda.
5: Everyone has an agenda, When it comes
3: to the East, the Professor Kraut Doctrine. The British could not have done what they did in India without the cooperation of Indians. It's true! So any ugliness occurring as a result of this interaction is explained away as the inevitable pains a people must suffer upon entering the Judeo-Christian democratic world. Iraq was the better for her encounter with us. Afghanistan, Vietnam, Somalia, Chile. Those
5: were wars. What happened in India? Was
3: war, too! Politics and business are war by other means. All
2: right, enough. Suddenly, it sounds like golf balls are bombarding the roof. Samantha walks to a window. Sorry, Samantha. Clearly, we don't entertain much. Samantha looks outside, worried.
6: No, please. My fault.
2: It's all right. We're solid up here.
6: When I was little and my dad was working on the farm, it would hail sometimes and scare the shit out of me. I'd wake up crying. Dad would come into the living room where I slept and sleep on the floor next to me. I still cry like a baby when it hails sometimes. Isn't that stupid?
2: No. Not at all. Renee is looking at Alec, a mixture of tenderness and frustration.
5: We're at a crossroads, aren't we, Alec?
2: We're always at a
3: bloody crossroad.
5: I love you, Alec. I love you. Perhaps I miss something because I'm... I don't feel like an outsider. We all look through a lens. What I love, what I cannot help but admire is the nature of India, her complications, her multiplicities, her messy past, her gloriously non-Western history. Oh, it shouldn't even be non-Western. It is her history, how she transforms anyone who tries to subdue her. I love India's... God's, her profane and sublime nature, and I have a right, as much as anyone to it.
3: Hmm. Your voice will always be louder than mine, won't it?
5: No, it will not. And you must be at peace with yourself, Alec. I want you to be happy.
2: Renee looks as if she's about to cry. Tom looks pained. Lights fade. Three. Are you in love with Samantha? Thursday is projected on the scrim. Lights rise on Alec's now bare apartment. Samir has surprised a half-dressed Samantha who stands gun-drawn. I thought you were Alec.
6: Could have killed your ass. I'm sorry, I... Was the door unlocked?
2: I used my key. Habit. right? Samantha? You got a gun? Samir nods again, pushes back his jacket.
6: Could have killed each other.
2: Shit. Can you put your, uh... He gestures. She puts her gun away.
6: There's coffee. I carry these packets. It's pretty bad.
2: While Sam gets dressed, Samir walks to a couple steaming tin cups with wooden spoons. He gets one for Sam, too. When they drink it, it will be with the spoons. They ladle it like thick soup. Samir drinks coffee. Bitter and grainy, but it's coffee. Thanks.
6: What are you doing here?
2: Are you in love with him? Are you? I really didn't know you were here.
6: He's at the armory, talking some of my rotation buddies into hauling his shit upstate. Told him there's a unit going up tomorrow, but he promised Tom today.
2: Samantha sits on the bed, spoons into her coffee.
6: Mmm, good.
2: Like bitter mud.
6: I pretend it's ice cream.
2: Coffee soup. They sip slash chew their coffee.
6: You into threesomes?
2: (coughs) Alec enters. Charge me 800 bucks. Well, hi, everyone. A cell phone beeps. Samantha taps her headset. Yes, sir. And what have you two been talking about? Coffee.
6: General needs the cruiser, and I get to drive her.
2: Sam pulls on her boots. Uh, Jacob's at Bob's studio.
6: We pinged him. See you upstate, Alec. You too, cop.
2: She's out. Alec turns to Samir. Can we just, can we do this later? We're moving. My whole department. I know. You think you'll find yourself in books? In Samantha? I don't know, Samir. You felt this hollow here. He touches Alex's chest. You said I brought the world into focus.
7: You do. I see you. I.
3: See. You. You can't fill that space. Let me try. Why do you love me? Because you need love. Because you make me laugh. I don't know. It's chemical. What about you, Samir? What about me? I know you love her, but... Because she's gone, you don't remember how hard she was on you.
2: You're talking about my mom?
3: You broke her heart with me. And then she died, and now you think that this is the relationship you're meant to be. Are you an analyst now, too? How many people before me have you really loved? How much did you date? Did you, did you even meet any of the women your mother tried to set you up with? I'm gay. Yeah, and you came out with me, and you couldn't make your mother happy. You think I can't commit. You don't
2: take risks. You find one thing, me, and you cling to it. Not everyone has to sleep around to know love when they find Samir's it. Samir's cell beeps. Samir. Yes, sir. Right? Go. You head up today, yeah? With Safia? I'm helping her wrap up, and then we- But Samir has walked to Alec, kisses him. I love you. You fucked up
3: asshole. I'm not fucked up. I'm bisexual. This?
2: Me fighting for you? That is me taking a risk. Stupid. Samir exits. Lights fade. Beginning of the end. Renee and Tom's living room. Renee enters, reattaches Tom's bag, lowers his pant leg.
4: Thank you, Nurse Kraut. Don't wait to the last minute. It's not healthy. For we can replace hearts for synthetic humanoids, grow babies in a lab, edit genes for cancer and Alzheimer's, but the sexy field of urology is stuck We've in the made early the guest 20th room century. Mark for
5: Safi. Alex, Safi. Alex's room's ready.
2: If it weren't for this clumsy bit of rubber and plastic, I'd be dead or worse, bedridden. A distant siren begins to wail. Renee is frozen.
5: Tom? Is that...
2: No. It's it's the warning. No, it's the testing.
5: No, 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 no. That's over. How can it be?
4: It's not really. Ha- it's, There's still time. We can find
5: happily.
2: him. Oh God! Oh God! I knew some, it. I told him.
5: He has to get somewhere safe. I I don't know what. Oh,
4: where's Tom?
2: Where's my phone? Now Renee is in motion, handing Tom his cell phone. The siren continues.
5: Try his cell. I'll call. Sally. What time is the
2: schedule for? Is the ferry schedule?
5: I'm going down there.
2: No, no, Renee, that won't help.
5: Jacob's got a helicopter. Call him. The landline.
2: Renee's using both her landline and her cell phone.
5: It makes no sense that we'll be. We don't here, even know okay. where he is. He
2: might... Could he be <laughs> on the on his way? Hello,
5: Alec. Alec. How can we just? Stay here. Disconnected. Hello? Jacob? Oh, shit, I had him. I'll try again. Oh, God. What do we do? I can't just... God, we have to...
2: Tom sits in his wheelchair, helpless, useless. Lights fade. Five, I live here. I paint here. I die here. Bob's studio. Jacob is holding up his glass. Bob holds the open bottle.
0: Here's to you, Bob. Where do you get this shit, you fucker? This is the finest of Bordeaux from the vineyard of Chateau Margaux. I have had this shit for years. This, I'm afraid, is the last of its kind. This, of all things, makes you sad.
2: <laughs> Life's little
0: pleasures are the most important. Whatever.
2: He takes his glass, downs it, then, then holds out his glass for another. Jacob pours. To women, the reason we live, the
7: reason we work, we kill ourselves. I'm leaving. Seattle. Do it. You? If I live here, I paint here, I love here, I die here. Are you ready? I was born ready. To die, I mean? What the shit do you think I mean?
0: What is it about Safia? (coughs) Women. You know, Bob, I never know what you mean when you say that. Guess. Uh, women are... Hard to figure out? Safi doesn't
7: put up with my bullshit. It's good for me. Is it? Keeps me working. I just drink otherwise. Come with me. I feel responsible
2: for you. Oh, I hate
7: that cold place. Are you sure? If she wanted to go, I'd
2: go. Suddenly, the siren starts up. The same siren from the previous scene. But at Bob's place, it's louder. They are paralyzed for a few moments, then... Motherfucker! Oh, hello? Safi! Slow down. Where are you? Safi, Renee. can you hear me?
0: Shit. Uh, we have to go. We have to go now. Uh, uh, Bob, come with me. We stop by the bar. Let's just get to the helicopter and... We go. We get Safi. We are- Renee is out
2: there trying to... Bob gets a gun from a drawer, points it. We stop by the bar.
7: Jesus. Bob, let's figure out... Safi, th- listen, we're coming. Stay there. Uh, hello? Safi, I, I can hear you. I can hear her. She, she can't... She can't... Put uh, the gun
0: away, hear Bob. me, but, but I can hear her. I love you too, baby. You don't know how to fly.
2: Come on. They run out. Lights fade. Six, all may yet be well. Alec and Safia finish packing up.
8: No one's perspective is pure, even in science.
2: Yeah, but... Your
8: British th- mother speaks Hindi better than you. So? You sound like some kind of cultural fascist.
3: We'll have to agree to disagree, Safi. No,
8: you have to stop thinking this way.
3: For a long time, before dad's surgery, they weren't doing well. I thought it was my fault. Why? I created a rupture. Their way of life, their care of me, their love made me feel like I was broken.
8: Maybe you were. Are. That's why you think like a five-year-old.
3: You notice everything, you know? I was
2: seven. You hear all the fights that they don't think you hear.
8: I'm not minimizing what you went through in India.
2: Suddenly they hear the siren. It is loud and urgent. They look at each other for a long time. Then, oh God.
8: This is not happening. It'll stop. Just wait.
2: My parents. The bar phone rings.
8: Bob? Is that you? It it, it might be my parents. Hello, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? I'm with Alec. Bob, if it's you... I love you. Hello? 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 Hello?
3: They are probably so... Oh, oh no. No.
2: Safiya hands him the phone helpless. She walks up the stairs toward the entrance to her bar to get a glimpse of the coming wall of water. Alec wraps both hands around the phone. Dad, Mom, I am not alone. We're here. Safi and... The cell phone rings.
8: Mom. Sky looks weird. The wind's blowing. People are running. I, I heard her.
3: My mother. Fuck.
8: I can't hear anything. Can you? I can't hear anything.
3: Hear, hear what? Safi, get away from the door. I don't know.
8: Water? It has to be water. This can't be happening. Alec, it's not supposed to be happening. We have time. They said we have time. Bob was right. He- she
2: laughs, laughs, then starts crying. Hey, hey, hey! Bob knows you're here. He'll bring a frickin' tank. He'll bring a jet. He'll he'll do something. Over the siren, the panic pandemonium of people rises. Yeah,
8: yeah, yeah, yeah. He he will right. Is
2: the back door locked?
8: Oh Jesus! Fuck! Lock it. We we have a chance. We we. Alec do.
2: runs off stage. The thud of heavy steel doors. She runs up the stairs and pulls down a metal shutter. Alec returns. They listen to the siren and pandemonium outside. Wait.
8: What if someone needs to get in?
3: How many? We let one person inside, we let everyone. We'll never get those doors closed. We don't know that. Okay. If someone bangs on the door, we open it. If
8: someone needs we help. We open
3: it, okay? Listen. We have a chance. If we seal this place off.
8: And, and what do we do? We, 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 we
3: wait just... till it's over.
8: We have to do something. We wait. Oh, great.
2: Here. Alec wraps her in a blanket. They sit, listening. Sophia shivers some more.
8: We can do what Sam said. Wow, what? Deep breath in, and then just breathe out. No gasping. No fighting.
3: An animal who is cornered fights. There's dignity in a that. A deep
8: breath in. Breathe out. Your next breath is just a lung full of water. <laughs> Easy.
3: Hey, 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 shh. shh. People, people have... They have felt My this poor way seals. before.
8: They won't survive. It's a far they try in not India. To shake.
3: From Dili, lush and green with canals, museums, and fine, fragile houses. So pretty, Safi. They felt so safe, like they would live forever.
8: If, if someone knocks, if I even think I hear anyone, I'm unlocking that fu- fucking d- door, Alec.
3: Dilley College, the libraries, Indian students translating Latin and Greek, preserving it, the printing presses, you know.
8: I love Bob. I want to tell him that, tell him what he needs to hear.
3: Dilly drowned in blood, but the papers kept printing, Safi.
8: We'll be in the news tomorrow. Huh? Isn't the that The best strange? poets in the
3: world came. Painters. Scholars. <laughs> You'd made it if you were in Dilly.
8: What day is it?
3: People couldn't dream of living Thursday? anywhere else. Maybe Zafar knew the end was near, but the art, the art kept bursting forth.
8: There's ice in my veins, Alec. A wonderful poet, Zafar.
2: Emperors were poets. The British buried him in an unmarked grave. The siren continues. The the very faint sound of rushing water.
8: Do you hear something?
3: In three days, Delhi was erased. Maybe on a Thursday afternoon.
8: Hold me tighter, really, really tight.
3: When in silks you came and dazzled me with the beauty of your spring, Uh, you lived with me Breath of my breath. Being in my being. Uh, what the fuck? Is it? We did this together, mom and I. Breath
8: of m- m- my breath.
3: <laughs> g- 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 my, my, my life gives now no ray of light. I bring no solace to heart or eye. I, out of dust to dust again. Of no use to anyone am I. Uh,
2: uh, I know this. I know it! He buries his face in Sophia's hair.
8: Dust to dust?
2: Dilly was once a
3: paradise where love held sway and reign, But its charm lies ravished now, and only ruins remain. No prayers were read, for the noble dead, unmarked, remain their graves. But things cannot remain thus, for who can tell? Through God's great mercy and the prophet, all may yet be well. All may yet be well.
8: What if you don't believe in God?
3: It's why we do it. That's the monument, Safi. (laughs)
2: Alec holds her.
3: That's what we leave behind. History preserves what we did once that was transcendent.
2: The siren outside cuts off. Silence. Then, the sound of the water becomes a roar. That's why.
8: Stay with me, Alec. I mean, like, don't lose it, okay?
2: What? The roar builds.
8: Be with me.
3: I thought I'd be scared.
8: You're shaking.
3: (laughs) That's you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Safia forces herself to breathe in and out slowly. I I was a little boy once.
8: In. Out.
3: There once was a little boy named Alec Kraut.
8: In. Out.
3: She would sing that to me. Make up words about the flight
8: In Out
3: We moved from Delhi to his home
8: Okay I'm spinning
3: She was beautiful A raven-haired goddess
2: descended from a mountain Sofia hits her chest
8: Don't be a fucking coward, Safi Think of Bob And Bree
2: Alec holds her close
3: I never wanted to displease them Be sent away
8: Parents know, Alec.
3: I knew how to protect myself, but she became my world. She's your mom. I'm so stupid.
8: Parents know. The people who love you know. Oh, Jesus. They know you chose to be free for as long as you could, and they loved you enough to let you be. Did you love?
3: And were you loved? And when you are, will you recognize love's face?
8: They know you love them, Alec. She knows.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
8: Don't let me go, Alec, please.
2: I won't Safi, I'm here.
3: I'm I'm not Bob, but I am here, my
2: friend. They look at each other, across a chasm of pain, love, aloneness, then.
8: I'm going to just breathe, okay, Alec?
2: We might be all right.
8: But I'm here for you too.
2: The sound of water grows, a huge sound. Outside, it begins to darken. Sofia takes a breath in, holds it, then breathes out. Blackout, then a huge, terrifying crash. End of play.
1: Chilling play. How do you
9: feel? Good, good. I feel good. They were wonderful. Yeah.
1: Thanks, really guys. Really
6: dope
9: yeah. It's very moving. So um, what inspired
1: you to write this play? It's unlike anything me and my team read from, like, all the oh, submissions. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, like, why call it the Ragged Claws? I know that's mentioned a bit, but I'd be interested to hear you clarify that.
9: Um, the, the play came about um, as a result of being invited uh, to center theater groups. They have a year-long kind of writer's retreat, and they ask you to work on a new play. It has to be brand new, just something maybe you've been thinking about a bit. Um, My husband, Dan, is a uh, professor of South Asian history and religion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the play started, I think, just over years of discussions around the dinner table between he and I about how history is seen and my questioning a lot of his scholarship, but then also learning a lot um, about India, weirdly, because of his scholarship and his work. And so that kind of was the seeds of it. Uh, Around the time I started to write the play, we were also in the process of adopting our child. Mm -hmm. so That became a little part of it. so that's sort of how it started. And then honestly, the characters, I, I cannot tell you where they came from. It's just, I, I always write character first. So it's just, I, they kind of appear, and maybe a snatch of dialogue appears, and then the scene builds out from there. So that's sort of how it started. And then the rigors of the workshop and having to bring in pages yeah. every month. Um, helped me kind of solidify various notions I had in my head. The Ragged Clause is just from the the T.S. Eliot poem, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. And I think I was reading it around the time I was writing it. And uh, I loved the poem. And that line just struck me because it speaks of um, emotional distance, um, Mm -hmm. wanting to love, and the inability to act. And so it just sort of felt right for the title at a certain point.
1: Mm So you brought up so the play brings up a lot about these questions and perspectives around colonialism mm-hmm. and imperialism and um the question that I was really interested in what the question um, what your play um, discusses okay. through this um quote unquote love story mm-hmm. um, is whether or not um or i should i guess ask you do you think that um colonialism and imperialism impeded the history of not just India, but many cultures and countries that have been you know, colonized? Do you think that it impeded their history, or do you think it is a part of their history as a form of this like pseudo-destiny?
9: I mean, that is the question, and I, I don't know the answer. Okay. Um, and that's the difference. Between when people say colonialism, it means a certain thing, and and when they say imperialism, it means right. a certain thing, and so mm-hmm. that that's exactly the question that I'm always grappling with. I find yeah. it fascinating, and I think I was I was trying to get to the heart of what that means and why I find it fascinating yeah. with this play. So, but I don't know. Was the love
1: story uh, like a lens for you to explore? Yes, that for sure. sure. Okay. Yeah.
9: I read this these two amazing books about this story about Kairun Nissa and James Kirkpatrick, and I was fascinated i didn't know about it. I went to India to visit where they lived oh. um, did some more research and uh, it's it's a really fascinating history that happened at a tipping point between these two uh, monarchies you know a tipping point in um, in eastern history and and in britain's history too and there was this question of. What, you know, there there was there were a lot of like English men marrying Indian women in India. Um, there was a lot of intermingling and multiculturalism happening, but there was also just a virulent strain ever present of, of racism. Mm. And so, yeah, their their love story was definitely a lens into what was happening at that time because I feel like we still see the rever- reverberations happening today. You know, yeah. so yeah. Your
1: play is set in twenty fifty, mm-hmm. which is, you know, not too long from now. That's mm-hmm. mm, math. Uh, I <laughs> math, I don't know how far away. That's years, Yeah, yeah twenties on the way. Let's say, yeah. um, so um, do you envision um, or you know believe that this world that you've created, which is, you know, just in chaos, like people have to uproot their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's a mention of you know, he finds a tomato. And that seems to be like this marvelous like kind of concept. And so the world is not what we know it to be now. But do you envision that the world that you've created in your play, mm-hmm. that to be possible? And if so, do you think it's possible that it is as soon as 2050? Or do you think it's someplace far further away?
9: I mean, I don't, you know, with climate change being what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Some of that is based in in actual research, like the England producing champagne and all, you know, because of climate change, that is going to happen. Yeah. Um, uh, Because their climate's getting warmer and more tropical. Um, And some of it are just leaps of imagination. Some of the, there was an exhibit at MoMA several years ago called Rising Currents. I don't know if anyone went to see it. Um, but the city um, commissioned architects and designers to envision Manhattan in 2050. Mm. And so some of what Jacob talks about is, is directly kind of from my visiting that exhibit and seeing some of these extraordinary designs of what would happen to the city when, because the water levels are rising, yeah. and how Manhattan survives, you know, how, how these architects and designers see it. Um, yeah. surviving, so some of that's based just in their imaginations of yeah. what would happen and how the city could be built and rebuilt. Because so, right.
1: yeah. the city will need to be built higher
9: and higher. Yeah, or the, there's pavements that are porous so yeah. that when water comes over, it can just drain back into the ocean, things like that. That would so. be amazing. Yeah. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, and uh, why choose a tsunami as your epic disaster?
9: I don't know. I was obsessed with them for a while. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I wrote this several years ago, and uh, I, I had been reading a lot about tsunamis, and I have this fascination with them. So, mm-hmm. and because of the rising currents, yeah. you know, um, around the city, and then earthquakes happening thousands of miles away, affecting what happens here. So, yeah. yeah. And um, so we're going to start
1: wrapping up. So the, okay. the, the questions, <laughs> the following questions are ones that I, I, I ask. all you like this is a playwright. test. No. we <laughs> yes. I always think it's a test.
9: <laughs> Am I going to pass?
1: <laughs> you know the answer. It's, it's in you. It's in your heart. As yes. a Disney You're right. show I'm or on. character would say. I don't know. I'm channeling them, I guess. But what's the best thing <laughs> about being a playwright of color? I know we talked kind of talked about this in our like convo before you came up, and you had some really interesting things to say.
9: Did I say there was a best thing? Because I don't, I don't know that there right. is. Right, the, the,
1: and that was interesting. Yeah.
9: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's. I don't know. Maybe if I was like twenty-five, just coming out of a program, I'd feel differently. But I, I, I don't see an upside, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I feel. Sometimes I feel frustrated that we're all being kind of asked to stay in our lanes and Mm -hmm. things are becoming more tribal, you know? I just want to be a playwright, you know, is my feeling. Um, That being said, I love that there are increasingly more and more platforms, you know, for different work to be seen and heard. And so I'm appreciative and grateful for that. Um, But I don't know how to answer what is the best thing about being a playwright of color. I'm just Mm -hmm. grateful that. I can write, and that I get paid to write, and that you all came, so yeah. I'm grateful for that. I
1: guess what I guess is the most frustrating thing, then, for you, or the thing um, that you've struggled with the most.
9: Well, it's interesting. The the, the you know the the. I live in LA and I work in television sometimes. And there's a lot of talk of diversity currently in Hollywood. And you know, just one example of the frustrating thing is, you know, I wrote a pilot that um, everyone loved. Uh, that's about Japanese American internment. It's a love story. It's a forbidden love story um, set in 1941, just before the bombs drop on Pearl Harbor. And um, m- my agents said, you know. This is great. It's gonna be a really hard sell because you're not Japanese American. So I feel like on the one hand, you know, people like me are being told, Well, you know, we want to hear from you and you're gonna get a job because look at you. You know. On mm-hmm. the other hand, I can apparently only write about certain things, so whereas other people can write about anything. So that's frustrating. Yeah. you know. So my agent and I are gonna have some more talks when <laughs> I get back about that. So no,
1: I can, I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, so yesterday was the midterm election. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was a little, you know, yeah. um, won the House. The, yes, the at least. The house. Yep. I mean, I'm not supposed to choose a political affiliation. Since oh, really? It's fiscally sponsored. Oh, okay. But people know, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge, by the following question that I'm going to ask. If uh-huh, uh-huh. Trump were in this room... 60 seconds. What would you say to him? Uh, oh, y'all giggle. Think about it.
9: Think about it. Um,
1: you can also gosh, say nothing.
9: I don't know. I mean, I guess I would just say that the tighter you hold on, the more you try to control the toxic vision you have, for us the more you grasp and hold on to what you want the, the more it's going to slip through your fingers and you know me and you and us we're here and we're not going anywhere and we're going to continue mm-hmm. to work and talk and educate ourselves and create and um and yeah and just i'm sorry that uh You've never felt love. I don't think the man's ever been loved. I really don't. So, Mm-mm, have your children, people. It's <laughs> important. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think he'd give a shit what I have to say, but that's what I would say. Um, and your your
1: play mentions um, many different types of drinks.
9: Drinks, yes. Yes.
1: So, what what would you suggest someone drink as they listen to? <laughs> This published oh. episode. Well, I mean,
9: a uh, Manhattan, of course. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> <That was> yeah. <laughs> See passing the test. is like a bonus question.
1: Five points for Lena. Uh, and last one. This is also super easy. Uh-huh. What did you have for breakfast this morning?
9: Oh, um, I'm staying at my friend Drew's house. I had cereal. I had goleen. and. What's golen? It's kashi goleen, The cereal. What is that? Is that wheat? What is it? Oat? It's healthy-ish. It's healthy-ish. Yeah, I was trying to be healthy, yeah. to have my daughter with me. I just me. feel like I hear about new, like... It's old.
1: Ve- veggies, grains. I've never heard of go lean, guys. I'm just saying. <laughs> I felt like it was, like, some hipster cereal that came out and that no. I missed the boat on.
2: No, we're the <laughs> okay. opposite of I've hipster. Never <laughs>
9: yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah.
2: They had bagels. bagels. You have to have bagels. I didn't. Bagel
9: I just them. had the cereal. Yeah. yeah. Are, will you have a bagel
1: while
2: you Sure. You're in New York? If you
9: want me to. Oh, yes. Of course. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> I've had many, many bagels in New York. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: awesome. Thank you, Lena. Thank you. Thank so you so much. We're going to do um, a little outros. Um, so I want to say thank you again to the Actors Fund Art Center for hosting us tonight. I'd really um, love to thank our wonderful cast, which include Shannon Marie Sullivan, Nareen Weiss, Imran Sheikh, Olga Sosunovska, Brian Hastert, Kim Crane. Brian Hotaling, and our musician, Dominique Brion. Um, I'd also love to thank our director, Blaise Teicher, and our wonderful playwright, Lena Patel. Thank you again to Fernando Castillo, our sound engineer, and our TPS team, which includes. Jesse Manning, producer, Katie Donnelly, producing director, Blaise Teicher, artistic associate, Rye Zilong, artistic associate, Todd Kirkling, managing director, and produced by The Parsnipship and Business Lunch Productions. We have one more song by Dominique, and thank you everyone for listening to The Parsnipship.